More with OWC's Larry O'Connor on Thunderbolt, the M3 chips, and the iPhone 15. This is Mac Voices. This edition of Mac Voices is supported by Mac Voices featured gear, like the Elgato Stream Deck, providing six, 15, or 32 programmable keys to perform complex, frequently used actions. The Stream Deck will supercharge your productivity. Get more information at macvoices.com slash featured gear, all one word, featured gear. Welcome to Mac Voices. This is the talk of the Apple community, and I'm Chuck Joyner. This time around, we finish up our conversation with Larry O'Connor, the founder and CEO of Otherworld Computing. Larry is helping us understand a little more about Thunderbolt 3 versus Thunderbolt 4 and why the differences might affect which M3 Mac that you decide to purchase. Then we shift our attention to the power of the iPhone, especially iPhone 15, and a new utility from OWC that might make it even more useful for you if you are shooting video. Let's go back and let Larry do the talking. Okay, I said I said one more question, and I'm, I'm going to add to it because I'm going to take it as sort of a segue. Can you boil down for us what purchasers need to know right now about Thunderbolt three versus Thunderbolt four? If if the performance, if the throughput performance is similar or the same, then and we so, talked a little bit about monitors. What what do I need to know when I'm looking at a Thunderbolt 3 dock, a Thunderbolt 4 dock, or Thunderbolt peripherals? The good news is all you really have to look at and know is that it's Thunderbolt 3 or Thunderbolt 4. And from a performance point of view, they're both the same speed, 40 gigabits. They support you know the same systems today. And it's really look at what you need. You know, what are you buying this for? Because it's, there's not a, a pro or a con to the actual three or four, or what makes it a three or four. It's actually, it has to do with the chipsets inside and what they're designed for. Thunderbolt 3 is designed to give the performance that the full, all the, uh, all the lanes, all the bandwidth to the device. So that if it's an external SSD array, or it's a hard drive array, or it's a dock with a ton of ports on it, Thunderbolt 3 means that all the performance that's available on the bus is available in that peripheral through the different ports and connections or drives are in the peripheral. Thunderbolt 4, on the other hand, in a peripheral externally, is designed, that chipset, the Thunderbolt 4 chipset, not to be confused with it being Gen Plus 1, because it's not. Thunderbolt 3 and Thunderbolt 4 are part of the same generation of Thunderbolt, which is a Generation 3 PCI external interface, external connectivity. Uh, connectivity uh, uh, means in the case of a Thunderbolt 4 dock, and you only really see these in docks and hubs, Thunderbolt 4 chipsets, which are also known as Goshen Ridge, were designed so that we could have more downstream ports. So there's limited uh, capability within the device itself because it needs the, uh, it uses the lanes to switch for downstream ports so that you wouldn't want to build a high-speed hard drive array but you know we have a device like the Mini Stack, which does allow decent performance from a single SSD blade as well as a hard drive, because we do get one of the lanes to the device. But the other three lanes in that solution are used to provide downstream 40 gigabit Thunderbolt device. So you can plug in more, you know, Thunderbolt three or Thunderbolt four peripherals that will get full speed. 
So I, I probably it, it's it's every time in my head this is so simple, but when I start to talk about it, I, I overcomplicate it. it. At the end of the day, if you're buying something with Thunderbolt four. It's there. I mean, and, and we balance the devices as best we can. We have a Thunderbolt. Our GoDoc is Thunderbolt Four. It uses DP Video. I mean, we balance our lane usage and our, uh, how do you say, and and the the ports to make sure that the performance you need is in the ports. But ultimately, in Thunderbolt Four, you have limited bandwidth to the actual physical device itself in terms of what it's providing. So if it's giving you, you know, Ethernet or USB ports, you know, audio video, it has more limited bandwidth. Than Thunderbolt 3. It has one fourth the bandwidth of what that Thunderbolt interface provides for what is specifically added in that dock or solution product. And on the same product, you have downstream ports which get full bandwidth. So you're buying a Thunderbolt 4 dock or hub because it may give you some limited function or specific function that's, that meets need. I mean, I'm not saying a Thunderbolt 4 device is bad. I mean, Thunderbolt, I mean, again, there's so much. When you're looking at it, I mean, there's just there's a lot of capability to spread around. But in the case of a Thunderbolt 4 product, one fourth the bandwidth effectively with a USB, uh, I guess you could say, you know, side lane is available in the peripheral, and then you're using the rest of the capability to provide you know, up to three downstream Thunderbolt ports, which are full speed and will they still have to share the data. You still have 40 gigabits coming off the computer. But you can have a device plugged into a Thunderbolt 4 Docker hub or multi-function, uh, how to say, device, which will have 40 gigabits of full bandwidth available to it when the dock, when the, when the peripheral upstream form is not using uh, you know, some of that bandwidth. In the case of Thunderbolt 3, like our Thunderbolt 3 dock, you know, that has more ports. And it's really designed well for Thunderbolt 3 because we have multiple hub switches and such in that dock to ensure you've got performance available to every part. If you put plugged in every in any of our docks, that's why we have our Thunderbolt you know, 4 dock has only got 11 ports, and they're not all the same ports as our Thunderbolt 3 dock, which is 14 ports. The Thunderbolt, in the case of a Thunderbolt 3 dock, again, we have all four lanes of bandwidth available within the, uh, you know, within the dock itself. And that means also if you fully load that dock up and there's ports with various performance capabilities, there's enough bandwidth to support all those ports. Our Thunderbolt 3 Pro Dock is, I mean, this is probably a much easier example for me to, to use to illustrate. If our Thunderbolt 3 Pro Dock wasn't using a, a, tight, a Thunderbolt 3 Titan Race chipset, you know, we wouldn't be able to support somebody ingesting uh, a CF Express card, you know, which will support over up to almost 2,000 megs a second of throughput, plus support a 10G Ethernet connection, you know, pumping that data out over the network simultaneously because well, we only have about half the bandwidth needed. We wouldn't even have enough bandwidth across. If we did that with a Thunderbolt 4 chipset, our Thunderbolt, if it was a Thunderbolt 4 product with the same ports, just 10 gigabit Ethernet alone would actually be using, would, would actually be slightly uh, handicapped because of the, uh, there's, that's a whole other discussion in terms of their four lanes, but they're not, uh, they're, they're not actually each 10 gigabits. Long short of it is you wouldn't even get full your full uh, network uh, performance out of that 10G uh, uh, interface we've got on our ProDoc if that was a Thunder, if that was a Thunderbolt 4 Ghost Race chipset rather than a, a Thunderbolt 3 Titan Race chipset. Thunderbolt 3 and Thunderbolt 4 really are, are not, they're not plus one and, or, or minus one. You know, they're, they're chipsets on the peripheral side for different purposes provide performance in different places so you can do different things. 
On the computer, the host side, whether it's a Mac or a PC, Thunderbolt 4 provides a rigid requirement. It does this for the cables as well. That defines what the computer has to do, be capable of. And Intel mainly did this, in my opinion, called it Thunderbolt 4, because Thunderbolt 3 was just a big mess on the PC side of the fence, you know, with Windows machines. There was different, unlike Apple, that has always implemented the full capability of Thunderbolt 3, 40 gigabit, you know, since their very first machines to very rigid, you know, compliance levels. And the uh, PC side of the fence, there's just a ton of different, I guess you simply say, implementations where your mileage may vary. And when Thunderbolt 4 came along, uh, Intel said, if it's going to be Thunderbolt 4, you have to check all these boxes. And because Apple had always been checking these boxes, by the way, even since their first Thunderbolt 3 equipped systems in 2016, every Mac ever made that has Thunderbolt 3 is fully compatible and can use Thunderbolt 4 devices. You only need to have uh, OS 11 or later because Apple implements the support with a, an update that's in OS 11. On the PC side, there's virtually no PC you know, that isn't Thunderbolt 4 that you can plug and use thun the Thunderbolt mode of a Thunderbolt 4 device on. If you have a Thunderbolt 3 PC, you can only connect that Thunderbolt 3 peripherals for Thunderbolt. Because they, number one, there's just not the, there's not the support mechanism from the different vendors that do the updates necessary. And number two, the majority of them can't support Thunderbolt. The, 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 they just don't support the features. They don't have a, they're not compliant. So a lot of kudos to Apple. And it gets very confusing. I mean, that again, I think I said it at the beginning. I think it was a big mistake for Intel to call Thunderbolt 4 Thunderbolt 4. They should have saved it for, uh, for Thunderbolt, what's going to be Thunderbolt 5, because Thunderbolt 3 is P all Thunderbolt 3 and 4 today is now, since they did call it Thunderbolt 4, is PCI Gen 3 over copper. It, it takes, you know, if you had a PCI slot inside your computer, which, of course, with laptops we don't, with the Mac Pro, you, you know, 2019 and, of course, the 2023 you do, what, instead, instead of this being something that you have to plug inside your computer, Thunderbolt makes it possible to plug in things externally over cable. So before Thunderbolt, what you're connecting via Thunderbolt would have been a PCIe card going inside a PCIe slot inside your computer. And here we have Thunderbolt today, which makes it possible to do that over cable to physical peripherals. And whereas Thunderbolt 3 and 4 are 40 gigabit Gen 3, the next generation of Thunderbolt will be PCIe Gen 4, which effectively doubles the bandwidth. You know, over that copper. So it would have been nice if Intel had saved, you know, how to say, the, the, the Thunderbolt 4 for the Gen 4. I mean, it, it would have had nice alignment. Instead, we, we have something that's confusing other than, you know, if I am buying a PC or a Mac, did I just say buying a PC? By the way, I have not bought a PC in years, and no, I'm not, and no offense to Intel. <laughs> we, love, we love what they do with Thunderbolt. You know, it's it, it, Apple needs competition. If Apple doesn't have competition, you know, obviously that makes it hard for Apple to keep bringing out you know, these scary fast systems. But to the, uh, to the point, you're buying, uh, going back, to, I think, to the proper question, if you're buying a Mac and looking at Thunderbolt 3 or Thunderbolt 4, you know, and it does certainly make it easy to differentiate. The only difference you're going to experience be, that, that I'm aware of, and, and I have not seen this has been since 2020, the only difference is today is how many displays you can connect. And that's not even a limitation of Thunderbolt, by the way. 
that's a limitation of the machine itself, of the, the processor inside. And it's a marketing specification requirement that if you're going to say your Thunderbolt 4, you must support two 4K displays over a Thunderbolt 4 port. Pure and simple marketing it has nothing to do with the Thunderbolt interface. It has to do with what the computer can do. And that was the one checkbox, I think, probably if I was Apple, upset me the most. Because, you know, Apple's always been fully compliant. And the, to put that out there when it really wasn't a Thunderbolt thing, it was, hey, is this computer going to do it? It was kind of a, you know, I, I call it a, a hit below the belt when it came to just when they, just the rollout of Thunderbolt 4 in general. So did I, did I confuse more than I, did I answer there? No, I think, you, I mean, you did. There's, there's just a lot to understand, a lot, a lot to appreciate. And it, it can be confusing for the consumer. And that's why I was anxious to ask the question. And, you know, you boiled down a number of different things that, okay, I need to pay attention to what I want to do with it and, and what my use case is going to be as to, you know, how much I need to spend or what I need to spend the money on. Yeah. One thing for sure, you don't want to buy a Thunderbolt 4 device that has a Zane ports on it. Because it, if it's, you know, that's it, I mean, that's like kind of, that, 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 that's buying a truck with a giant, uh, you know, payload area that's got a tiny engine, just on the simple basis that it doesn't have a, uh, it, it, it's not getting all the bandwidth to make all those ports go. If you're just using a couple here or there, you know, fine. But if you actually load it up and expect them all to uh, give you bandwidth, the, the bandwidth's not there. So that's the, uh, I guess that'd be the one thing. At the end of the day, if I'm a consumer, you know, on the, on the computer side, you know, I just need to know that, well, if, if, if uh, you're actually looking at, if you're going to buy a PC, do not buy a PC with, with Thunderbolt 3. You'll, you'll regret it. And uh, you know, certainly, at least with Thunderbolt 4 on a PC, you know that the Thunderbolt implementation is complete. On a Mac, you, know, you don't have to worry about what Thunderbolt you know, Apple's got. I mean, if it's a USB-C Thunderbolt, it's going to work with everything. It's going to be full performance. It's going to be full power delivery support. I mean, everything that's important about Thunder, everything that is about Thunderbolt 4, you're going to get on that Mac with uh, the USB-C and Thunderbolt. And on that uh, note, it just comes down to, uh, I guess it's really easy now. Thunderbolt 3 means one display. Thunderbolt 4 on a Mac means, on a current Mac, by the way, that's not talking about Intel Macs, which do support more than one display on, on the Thunderbolt. But for today, on the Apple Silicon, Thunderbolt 3 or Thunderbolt without a, a denominator means it's a single display. And then Thunderbolt 4 means uh, multiple displays. And for the peripherals, you just look at the peripheral. What do I need? You know, what do I want? You know, what ports are important to me? Do I care? Do I need downstream Thunderbolt ports or do I need more ports to give me performance you know, on the device itself? Am I buying this for storage, high performance storage, as a backup, as a spinning drive? I mean, that these are all things that go in. And you know, quite honestly, our lineup is in general designed to provide more using the, the appropriate chipset, chipset to give you the... Uh, you know, the best performance and the, the the best balance of of everything that you need in those devices. I will not forget, and I can just I can talk hours on this, but every year, you know, since Thunderbolt Four came up, came out, you know, whether it's CES or NEB, customers and lots of emails to customers would either come up and say, you know, I'm waiting for you to release this with Thunderbolt Four, or Jesus, you know, I was going to buy this, but you know, then this Thunderbolt 4 thing came along, and now, you know, I, I guess i got to wait for you to, to move on to Thunderbolt 4. And especially with something like our Flex A, you know, our Thunder, all of our Thunder Bays and our Thunder Blade. It's like, if we did this in Thunderbolt 4, you would absolutely not buy it. 
you look at the Thunderbolt 4 and go, hey, and then you look at the performance that we advertise you know, along with it and go, why is it so slow? Because that's not what Thunderbolt 4 is for. So the one thing that is sort of a segue from the Scary Fast event to something that you and I had planned to talk about, um, and that is the iPhone 15. At the end of the Scary Fest event, there was a panel that a lot of folks probably missed that said that the entire event was shot and edited, a shot on an iPhone 15 and edited on, on a Mac. So that just points to the power that we now have in the iPhone 15 from a creative uh, pro process. And that's something that you've been producing hardware for for as long as I can remember. Um, what, I mean, what was your reaction to that and what gets you the most excited about the iPhone 15's capabilities? Well, you look at the iPhone 15 Pro and just the level of video they were able to do. I mean, that was an incredibly professional production last night. It was slick. So, I mean, if, if you wanted a demonstrator, you know, Apple putting their money where their mouth is in terms of what you can do, you know, now with an iPhone, yeah, I, I'd say that's pretty well up there. Obviously, there are plenty of things where, you know, other cameras or, you know, you get into higher end, but that for, for somebody... I mean, what you can do with an iPhone Pro today, obviously, is way beyond you know what you could what any consumer could do with you know with pretty much anything they probably had access to a decade ago, and arguably uh, you know more more capability than you know, even commercially available cameras you know from you know not too long ago. So just I mean that part I mean is actually what you can do with it now. The now you know bring to that you know direct capture on the iPhones. You know we've got products like the Electron, our Envoy Pro Mini which plug right into that USB-C port and let you do direct capture. So you're not dependent on the internal uh, drive and filling that up. You can use your iPhone normally, et cetera. Use your iPhone normally for everything else and then go straight to uh, external drive. And plus for projects, that means, I mean, the iPhone is the, iPhone is the camera. You know, your, your drive is the card for our practical purposes. And straight from iPhone, you know, into editing on whether you're going to use it with a, do an, use an iPad Pro to edit or a Mac to edit. It's 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 incredibly insane, you know. You know what doors is open for you know, folks that have a creative, a creative juice flowing through their veins to want to get out there and go. I mean, this is this is it, it's pretty insane. And we actually, I can talk about it. I can talk about it now. We actually have released a, a piece of software. Truly, that'll be uh, available by the time. Uh, I would say we're airing this, if I can say that. But we released a piece of software called Speed Test for iPhone, which will allow customers, allow users to uh, test and confirm whatever drive they have, you know, is providing the, uh, the speed necessary to do that direct capture, you know, at the full, uh, at the full frame rate and full resolution and, and color quality. So that's something we're putting out there for free so that users can check that out. All of our electrons, all of our, uh, our Envoy Pro Minis and, and scores of our other USB uh, drives support the performance with no issue. But if you have a question about that, this is this is a speed test utility, uh, a very easy, uh, a free speed test utility that we're, we're really happy to make available to folks, so they don't you know, have surprises. I mean, there's we've always advertised, and I have to really come out there here and say this: we put real specs in our uh, in our listings. You know, we talk about what our drives can do in the real world. You now, we don't do them for benchmarks. We don't make them look pretty for a burst test. You know, we build these because we know our customers are doing audio and video photography. And have you know they're putting demand on these drives, you know, not just you know running the quick test and going, you know, I have the fastest drive on the planet. 
you know, the fastest drive, you know, on the planet for a, a two second burst is wonderful. It, it, it doesn't matter much if, you know, five seconds later, you know, I say what you need to, what you really need that I say requires, a, doesn't require that high burst, but perhaps actually requires, you know, that sustained ongoing throughput. You know, we've got gas in the tank you know, and, and our drives, so you can do amazing things with our drives. And whoever's drive you're using, you know, we certainly want to make sure that there's no no broken hearts when you get out that the captures, you know, do that first project. And you know, it's, it's the wrong way to find out you have the wrong drive, you know, by you know, using it in the field. So speed test you know, will be available in the Apple Store uh, you know, for iPhone. In particular, it actually work on any of the, uh, any of the Apple uh, I'd say iDevices, but we'll tell you just how fast your drive is able to support and, and what you can do with that speed. That's, I mean, that's terrific because I know there have been some articles about just that, that the the way that the internal software works on the iPhone, that if your drive isn't up to it, you may not know about it until after the project's over and after you go back and try to, to utilize that. So that's terrific that we can do something proactively to be sure that what we are using will not cause us problems on the back end. And we wanted to be able to see that and not have to test every drive, you know, how to say, go do a big recording and, and find out. And you know, this was, this is a good way to, uh, to confirm, provide users with, in our, even internally, a good means to, to make sure everything is, is, well, is going to do what you expect it to do. You know, we always expect the ODBC product, but nonetheless, it's, you know, we want to be able to show that people, I mean, confidence is important when you're, you're doing something for the first time or the, or the hundredth time for that matter. So we're glad to put it out there. Yeah, and I feel like ha- having the availability of something like that that you know you can count on, and now we have these incredibly um, powerful phones, and you know you, you have higher resolution shooting options um, than higher than and, and better than ever before. That for better or worse, one of the reasons they're so good is because they take up a lot of storage. That now. This just expands the usability of, of what these phones do, can do and maybe encourages some people to try some projects that otherwise they would have been a little hesitant to try or maybe they would have settled for something a little lower quality. Whereas now it feels like there's there, there are virtually no compromises. Couldn't agree more. And whether you're a, a professional or you're just a, a home user, you know, I'd say you know, that wants to do video, you're your kids in it that you can really edit with. I mean, Apple's really, you know, bringing down barriers in terms of who can take advantage of, you know, what these devices are capable of, you know, that and it's so easy. I mean, it's, it's, it's in the past. I mean, with the slower speeds, a real pain that, that shoot a video and then download it at USB two speeds uh, after if it's of any you know size or length now, you know, shoot it to a little portable drive, get home, plug it into your Mac, you know, bring it into, Bring it in iMovie for all purposes, but bring it into whichever app you've got available you know, for editing, and, and boom! I mean, it's it's amazingly there, and it's easy. I mean, it's just the things that we can do today with ease. I mean, this stuff was this stuff was complicated. You know, even you know, like you know, five years ago, certainly you know, 10, 15 years ago, it was incredibly complicated. And now it's just point, click, drag, drop. It's getting easier and easier. But I do want to. Uh, there is a point, you know, we highly, 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 highly recommend. <clears throat> and this is, I mean, so many people have had, you know, their hearts broken with data loss because they use XFAT. 
um, you know, external drives. And it's a huge, and that's cross-compatible, you know, Mac and PC, which is wonderful. But XFAT is a, a, a very you know, basic file system that provides no crash protection, no accident disconnection, protection for all purposes. You, know, you, you have a, an XFAT drive that goes online, gets unplugged, you know, is accidentally mishandled for all purposes while it's plugged in. You could lose everything that's on your XFAT drive or be in a state where it's very hard to recover data. You know, using APFS, you know, on your SSD you know, that you're capturing to, we, abs- I mean, is, is, is almost, I mean, it's especially where you're doing this and just the, the risk factor, highly, highly recommend that you make sure you're, uh, that you're formed with APFS. And even if you're a PC user, and I'll throw a plug in there, I would still say use APFS. And then you just have to get Mac Drive. <laughs> so you can use that drive on your PC uh, with Apple's, uh, how to say, file system. Again, you know, this just this comes down from having a file system out there, whether you're on your Mac or your PC, that has true system, has true protections, crash protection, and other data corruption, uh, uh, how to say, protective measures so that, you know, minor things, accidents, or, or even more severe disconnects don't mean that every, the, the, the data, the, the memories, whatever it may be that you've, you've put on that drive, you know, could be lost forever. So Mac users, it's easy. Use APFS, just make sure your stuff's not for an XFAT, because XFAT will break your heart. Not because it's a bad file system, it's just a very old file system that had to be designed very basic so that you have that interoperability between Mac and PC. You know, the world moved on on both sides to much more advanced file systems. XFAT is is a risk, yeah, how to say, if you're using it. Uh, we don't have a large PC audience, but it's interesting to hear you say that APFS is a better option for a PC uh, with with the with the with the Mac drive utility you mentioned um, than the, what a lot of folks might consider a native a native system. On the other hand, you bring up an, a, the other excellent point is that it was never designed to do what the modern operating systems are designed to do. Yeah, the modern file systems give you protection again another layer of Huge protections that are, are relatively taken for uh, for granted, and it's it, it just comes back to you know if, if you're and then the PC side you know you hopefully have a Mac, but if you have a PC and you you know there's and there's tons of PC users that love their iPhones and their iPads. If you now are going to start you know to say moving data with the drive between your your uh, iPhone and your PC. Now, you can't use NTFS because that's that's a Windows only uh, operating system. The uh, iPhone recognizes HFS Plus, it recognizes APFS, and it re- and it supports the uh, cross-platform uh, XFAT. But if you wish to have your data in a, a safe state and a protected state you know, from a file system point of view, APFS is it's just as fast. You know, how do I say is uh, NTFS? And I say that right now. Well, it's just as fast as your native Windows operating system. It's 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 pretty much right on par uh, with that. Uh, I say with the XFAT as well. You're not losing speed, but you're gaining all the protections of a modern file system. And again, I, go, I fall back to the the Apple side of the fence. You know, we're shipping drives now with that. Uh, uh, I say a preformatted APFS. You now we do give our you know, customers that are using on a PC or don't want to use uh, or, or insist on XFAT, the ability to change that to XFAT. But most drives shipped today, when you plug them in, are, are pre-initialized. They're, they're set up with XFAT on them, not with uh, 
an Apple file system, they don't give you the option to change. You can reinitialize with Finder, which Apple will force you to do use Time Machine, which is a good thing. But I, I, I will, again, strongly recommend, and I can't insist, but I, I highly recommend, you know, whatever drives you're, you've got, you take a look and just see how, they're, how they are initialized. And if they're initialized with XFAT, unless you've got a good reason to use XFAT on said drive, you know, get your data off, move it to uh, APFS, and, you know, it, it, it's something that, that won't give you a grief down the road. And in fairness, I mean, smaller drives, it's, it's less of an issue. The bigger the, the, the bigger the data set gets out of XFAT, the larger the, uh, the drive is where the, the problems start to start. But I should say the risk, let me rephrase that, where the risks start to substantially go up. You know, it, you know, once you're at one terabyte and higher in terms of a drive size, things can start to get really ugly with XFAT. Over four terabytes and, and higher, I mean, even over like the eight terabyte plus range, all sorts of interesting We've seen all sorts of interesting things in, in mixed environment. And it's one of those things I became educated on, mainly because we had customers that were using XFAT. And it's like, holy cow, how is this? How are we, you know, how do I say, you know, still using XFAT out there? Why Why is that? And it's kind of, well, it's it's easy and it's always been there and it's, it's fine. And it, that's, you know, it's been around for you know, forever, but it's certainly uh, where you have a choice, you know, Make make the choice for uh, for a uh, for a modern file system for APFS on Mac. If you're only a PC user and you're not using, there should be nobody on this phone on this. It's just a PC user not using any part of the Apple ecosystem. But if you were, you know, then you know use that. Then use Windows native file system. You know, use NTFS. Don't use don't use XFAT. You know, so um, that that's my I guess my my same of the day. Move beyond XFAT. You have options, and you know don't don't suffer heartbreak. Uh, from data loss uh, unnecessarily down the road. Not because XFAT itself fails, but things happen. And whereas APFS in particular is designed very well to deal with those things, XFAT has none of those safeties. A lot of these things we're doing now weren't, weren't even a gleam in anyone's eye at that time. So, you know, that's, that's the thing that's easy to forget. You don't realize how far we've come, how fast. Uh, and that applies to oh, true. A, whole, a whole lot of things, a whole lot of things. Absolutely, positively. Larry, this has been great as always. Anytime we get together, I feel like I learned so much. I hope the, the listeners and viewers do as well because th there are still a lot of pieces to it that are confusing. Uh, and especially when you're going to buy new hardware or understand everything. We saw in the Scary Fast presentation last night a lot of technical details and they all sound good and more is always better, right? But, you know, to really understand them, you have to spend a little time. So true, so true. And, you know, less power is the other thing that's, of course, always better and super and less complexity. A lot of the complexities behind the scenes, you know, we just need to focus on, hey, what do we need? And does it plug into our machine? And today, I mean, if you know, one thing I will say, Apple makes it very, very easy to, plug, play, and go, and, you know, well, let us, uh, you know, really dive in and, and make sure all the, the technical details are ironed out because that's what makes, you know, that's why we provide solutions that you know, just plug, play, and go. You get to do all the creative fun stuff. And, you know, again, kudos to Apple for maintaining a real high standard across everything that they do, which, in all fairness and honesty, makes our job, you know, for the most part, a lot easier. You know, I'm real happy with the current state of the OS as well. I just, I'll, I'll stop there. 
And I would echo the very same thing for OWC, and not because you're sitting here or anything like that. It's just I know how – I mean, there are a, a large number of OWC products on my desk and in my workflow. And the reason I have them is because they work, they, they do what I need them to do, they're reliable. And I know I've summoned your tech support team on a number of occasions, and they never fail to either give me an answer or help me find an answer. And that's another differentiation for OWC that, you know, the tech support is right there. And it's live tech support. We love the chatbots. That's fine. But I can get a live person who can ask me the questions that they need to ask to give me the answers. So thank you for thank you for all the products and thank you for the tech support team and thank you for everything. We appreciate it because you know we're, we we use these solutions too and these solutions wouldn't exist you know without you and every one of our customers and yeah we appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for being there for us so we can be there for you. Um, will I see you at CES? Yes, you know, well, you know, we're not going to have a booth at CES. I mean, that's it's, it's not that, not really that kind of show anymore. But you know, of course, we'll have the uh, we'll, we'll have a suite with our latest tech, and you know, absolutely look forward to, to seeing you there. Great, you can count on it, Larry O'Connor. Thank you so much uh, for a lot of education and a lot of technical detail that uh, will help us understand what we're doing and maybe help us buy a little bit smarter. Folks, I'm Chuck Joyner. This is Mac Voices. I hope you've gotten a lot out of this because I know I have. Um, check out if you are going to buy any kind of hardware to connect to your iPhone or to, to your Macs, your new Macs especially. Check out OWC. Uh, they make great, great stuff. Until the next time, as always, thanks for watching. Visit MacVoices.com for show notes and to connect with Chuck on social media. Get involved in our Facebook group or like our Facebook page and get more out of your Apple tech with Mac Voices Magazine, free on Flipboard and on the web. And if you find value in it all, consider supporting us through either our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash macvoices or making a one-time donation via the PayPal link on our front page and in the show notes of each episode. You will join these fine people who help bring you Mac Voices each month. Advertising handled by Backbeat Media at BackbeatMedia.com. Bandwidth provided by Cashfly at Cashfly.com.